listening to it. He's but, listening uh, to it. He wants to be on it. He's so 100% can you, listening. Can you hear us pretty good here? Or I can hear you fine. Yeah. Okay. So we go about an hour. Oh, shit. We go about an hour. Um, Sorry. Um, we can go longer or shorter, whatever you're good. Okay. An um, hour is usually good. the right amount. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't you get started? Am I too close? Episode 652. Toothpaste the podcast. Okay. Can you say your last name for me? Accurso. Accurso. Okay. So we're here with Dr. Brent Accurso. That's me. Uh, oral pathologist from St. Joseph Mercy. Hospital? Yeah. Yeah. So our, okay. our, our practice name is Oral Pathology Consultants. And we're, we were housed there. Okay. Um, you know, we don't, we don't work for the, the hospital or the healthcare system. We're just like an independent practice that like that's the facility we work out of just as if it was like a, you know, an orthopedic surgeon who does hips or something. And it's like, yeah. you know, Joe's, Joe's hip replacement, you know, PC, but he operates out of, out of that hospital. So that's, that's okay. So that's your home base. Yeah. So you have yeah. hospital privileges then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't like, you know, to admit patients or do sure. anything like that, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're there. So our office is, uh, down in the basement, which is where the lab is. Okay. And we sit with all the, the general pathology group that's there who are looking at all the, you know, colon and, you know, breast cancer surgeries and all the normal stuff that comes out of the operating rooms at the hospital. Okay. Um, there, and the, the, there's a one day surgery center too. They get that people get kind of inpatient procedures or I'm sorry, outpatient procedures. Sorry, a little bit closer. Yeah. Outpatient procedures. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. They, um, so they, they look at that sort of everywhere else in the body and then our stuff comes from surgeons, periodontists, endodontists, some general dentists in the community um, and then it just gets processed in the lab just as if a, you know, a lumpectomy from a breast cancer surgery or a colon cancer surgery or a colon polyp or some skin stuff or lung biopsy, lung core biopsies, all that sort of routine, you know, things that get done. Ours gets processed along with that. Um, okay. Yeah. So I have, I have a lot of questions Go for ahead. you. <laughs> Go ahead. And I'm yeah. sure you do too. I have like 600 questions. Yeah. yeah. So as, so as a general dentist, yeah. um, you know, we're in dental school. Mm-hmm. I don't really recall a lot of advertising for oral pathology as a specialty. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part. Yeah. Um, it's pretty self-selecting, honestly. Yeah. Um, one of the things is, so yeah, you think 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 back many years ago now, like when I was applying for dental school. Oh, why, why do you want to be a dentist? Well, I, oh, I like working with yeah. people. I like working with my hands, this, that, and the other. Right. So all of the stuff that, that attracts people generally to, to want to go to dental school when you're, you know, 22 to 25 years old. Um, we don't do any of that. Right. Okay, so, right. so it's a little <laughs> bit of, um, people don't go because it, 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 it just, they want to, you know, they, they like the clinical specialties more where they're, Oh, I really like doing root canals. I really like working with kids. I really like shucking teeth. I really yeah. like making dentures. So like people, you know, folks go do those sort of things or I like doing everything. So I'm a, I'm a general practitioner. Um, you know, our specialty and radiology is another one where you're mm-hmm. not really patient facing, you're not working with your hands. And so it's quite uncommon for, for people to want to do that because it's just not why they got into this business. It's not dentistry. Yeah. From the get-go. So do you have to be a dentist to yes. be an oral pathologist? Yep. Okay. I asked so that question next to yep. you walked in. Yep. You did? That must okay. be a stupid question though. Cause well, no, I mean, you guys there don't. There are no stupid questions. I mean, I mean most generalists don't. <laughs> interact with us on a day you know on a routine basis so like they don't get it they take classes but they you know they have several courses in dental school but they don't interact with them and then unfortunately you know our specialty tends to be very academic oriented housed in dental schools not out like we are a private practice in the community okay and so you know most 
And you're not Fred seeing Fisher. patients. No, not anymore. So okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. We can get to that a little later. But, you know, they, they get to, they just don't interact with us, so they don't know. Okay. Yeah. You know. Was that one of your motivations going to oral pathology to not see patients? No, it's just actually the, the stuff I liked. Like <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's funny. You know what? I, I was question. telling you guys earlier. So like, as a resident, I did my residency at Ohio State. I did, I did undergrad dental school in Michigan. Did a GPR in Charlotte, North Carolina. Then did my path residency uh, in Columbus before moving back here. And there's a, a pediatric dentistry residency at Nationwide Children's Hospital. There, they have a, a sort of easy kid clinic where you do kind of routine restorative work on the kids. So I moonlighted there. And in retrospect, I mean, I was terrified of pediatric dentistry and dental school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, don't, I never did like a pulp and a crown. Like it was just hard as hell. Like I just, it just, I just didn't, it just frightened me, you know? And then when you're there and I'm like, well, hell, I need the money. So I just need to like figure out a way to like do this. Um, uh, you know, when I was moonlighting and I started doing it, I was like, oh, this is actually like, quite like this so like in retrospect not that i don't like what i do and i would certainly have done this but like had pathology not been an option and had i not um like liked it and i, I did general dentistry for a couple of years i'm like man i don't like this i need to figure out something else i maybe would have done pediatrics honestly like, yeah which is something you know when i graduated school like that's the only that, specialty i ever considered too yeah. that, i mean that's it would have been it that's the been, only one i wouldn't do yeah a lot well, <laughs> well a lot funny, of people yeah. is like that Probably the only thing below that was like endo. Um, and so, you know, like, it, but it, it, now it's a complete, you know, one yeah. Day on So, yeah. So what, so what do you, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of simplify yeah. this. So I'm a general dentist, you yep. know, I see a bump on someone's tongue. Yep. Um, I either send it to the oral surgeon to remove or I remove it. Mm-hmm. I put it in a little container Correct. and I send it to you. Yep. Is that about yep. how it works? Yep. Okay. And then you analyze it. Yeah, we, a report. we make our, um, you know, the, the tissue gets processed in the lab. Um, gets essentially, it gets, the tissue gets, I'll spare you the technical part. It gets embedded in a block of wax. Okay. okay. Um, what we call blocks. So all the tissue from every, everywhere, all gets put in blocks. And then we cut the blocks of, of the wax. We cut slices off the wax. In, on I remember a, this. Yeah, called yeah. a microtome. It looks yep. like a super fancy deli slicer, except mm-hmm. it slices things at four to five microns thick, which is four to five tenths of a millimeter thick. So good idea. Like you can see through it. Mm-hmm. So it slices it off, put it on a glass slide, stain it with colors, and then we can look at it on the microscope and light it's so thin passes through it so you can see mm-hmm. through the tissue and get an idea of what's going on. So that's kind of what we do. We set it at a scope and look at um, – look at something and figure out what it is. Okay. So is that the majority of what you do? Um, yeah. So we teach, so our practice, um, well, I'll talk about us versus, um, uh, other oral pathologists. So our practice, you know, we do that. And then we also teach, uh, residents. We teach the two surgery residencies here in the Detroit area at Ascension and at DMC. Um, and then we teach, there's a GPR residency at St. Joe's in Pontiac. We mm-hmm. teach them. And then we actually teach another residency up in Rochester, New York, where um, a guy I trained here who's an oral surgeon is on staff. He's from there and went back there. He's on staff up there. Okay. And they have these like, hey, we should add this oral pathology component to the curricula for the, their residents. So we teach them as well. So, um, which nowadays, I mean, everything's remote now. Um, you know, we used to go for the local groups. We used to go see them. Now it's all over. You know, choose your um, video conferencing software. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, so is that part of your business model where your business income also come from teaching? Yeah. So it's a separate LLC. Okay. So we, we've got, um, we have 
well, <laughs> so our main, we have our main oral pathology consultant, LLC, and then we have another teaching one called 40X Consulting, which is all of our teaching. And like when we give CE to uh, uh, local study clubs, local dental societies, or bigger meetings, okay. that money goes into there. That's called 40X? Yeah. Okay. 40X, like a magazine. Oh my God. That's what I thought. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, we are not creative. That's how we came up with stuff. So, so it's, it's I'm like $40,000 a lecture per yeah, class. That's, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so we get, I mean, th that money is a little bit of like, that's not like our main income source. You know, okay. We're not, um, you know, we're not somebody who's like out on the circuit at every state dental meeting who's like making a huge bulk of their money. Mm -hmm. Um, doing that sort of stuff. It's, it's a little bit extra money. What it is in, in many respects is it's a relationship developer with yeah. trainees so that when they go out and set up shop or join a group or whatever, then they're our, you know, our client for the next 30 to 40 years of their practice life. Yeah. So is it like they send a BAPS to you and you just bill them as like a lab would bill me? We bill. Yeah. So no, so we actually bill, um, medical insurance. Medical insurance. That actually varies state by state. There are some states where you can, where you can do what's called client billing, okay. where the surgeon would say, "Okay, I'm going to do this biopsy on you. The fee is five hundred dollars. That includes my surgical fee, and it includes the lab fee and the pathologist fee to get the um, um, get the result, you know, the diagnosis of what it is, and then the the surgeon's office would get invoiced monthly, like you would for your crown and bridge work, right? Okay, um, that's 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 actually illegal in most states. Um, in okay. most states, you have to bill the patient. Oh, okay. Michigan is one of those. There's only a few states that let you do client billing. But you bill the medical, the medical yeah, we, insurance. Yeah, it's all medical patient. insurance. Okay. Yeah, which is which is somewhat of a challenge frequently in our office when we get specimens sent in from mostly general dentists' offices or if there's a, you know, like there's periodontists who work at like 15 practices, right? They're right. constantly roving. And so if they're in an office that's a big general dentistry group that doesn't do this very frequently, they don't understand that it's got to go through medical. So they send the Delta that's like, that's cool. Delta Dental isn't going to pay these right. services. Like we need their. They don't even pay crowns. So they're not, they're right. right. So you definitely get that. <laughs> yeah. So so we got to get their Blue Cross, yeah. Medicare, uh, HAP, like whatever they've got. We need that. And it runs through their medical insurance. So what if their medical insurance doesn't pay for the procedure? Do you collect on the patient? Yeah. So, well, well that, that's that's like any medical insurance, right? So if you've got a five, if you medical insurance, you got a $5,000 deductible. It doesn't matter how great your insurance is. If you haven't met your deductible for the year, it's coming out of your pocket just like it is if you're having a mammogram done or if yeah. you're getting your, you know, your kid broke their arm. Like it's, that's, that's just that's how it works. And then it's like any other services where you're getting, you know, what your, um, uh, particular plan is, are they paying 70, 30, 80, 20, you know, the, I mean, that, that's sort of just general kind of medical billing for all office visits or procedures. Do you have trouble collecting on patients if they don't pay the, it's below the deductible? We, it, it varies. I mean, we, we actually use an outside billing service to, to do that. Okay, um, like a collections agency. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're not like collections. They're a they're a they're a medical billing. It's not your uncle Gino that goes to the bed. <laughs> no, no. I mean, eventually. I mean, yeah, just like else, people can't get sent to collections. You know. Yeah. For, for yeah. Them. But but yeah, there's a billing service that is responsible for, uh, you know, credentialing us with insurances, billing the insurances, collecting that money, and then getting the copay part from patients, sending statements, all that sort of stuff. That's sort of kind of like. Okay. that's my like knowledge then I, then I run out of so you have like an office manager that does this for you or no no you and your partner do that yeah but we just again with the on the billing side it goes through the contract it goes and that's that. it okay mm -hmm. so you yeah, have like accounts receivables like oh yeah, I yeah have. for sure oh yeah okay oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. co-pays I'm sure right yeah but see see we never get because they don't ever come to the office right oh like, that's if, right if you think yeah. about when you're going yeah, to yeah. okay your co-pay today is $20 whatever 
that doesn't do it. So a lot of that goes done on the on the back end for okay. they're getting statements in the mail. Got it. Like, okay. Like similarly, like if you're going, uh, if you need a CT scan or something to get an X-ray done, right? You may not be paying for all the facility fee and the radiologist fee to like interpret the X-ray there up front. It's getting done on the back end just because these are like sort of after the fact medical services. They're not. Hey, I'm here for my right. You know, my vex or my kids here. Like I'm here to get the their whatever set of shots they're due for today or. You know, I've got a bad sinus infection, and so you're going to the office, and your primary care doc is giving you a script for amoxicillin and looking at, you know, you're doing all that there because you're showing up. In this case, the, you know, specimen is, you know, a stand-in for you. That's yeah. coming to us. You, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Smith aren't coming Right, to you're our not presenting. Office. Yeah, yeah. So did you buy a practice or take over from, yep. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Richard Wesley. Richard Wesley, yeah. So yeah. Richard, so Richard um, was at UD, the yep. school there, f- yep. for twenty five years. Really good guy. Yeah, yeah. super nice guy. So Richard um, left the dental school along with another partner at the time. Uh, his name was Dick Courtney. He's now deceased. Okay. Um, Richard, they left uh, in like ninety five, ninety seven, something like that. It was one of these things where the again in academia, you know, the dean wanted a more and more for not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you can have a greater percentage of zero and like <laughs> right. peace and left. So he left and moved the practice to St. John in, in on the East side over in, mm-hmm. in Detroit, Gross Point. And he was there until we left, uh, in 2018 okay. and moved over to St. Joe's and Pontiac. Um, and he was, had a partner for a while, but was solo for many, many years. And then I joined him out of residency in 2011 and okay. sort of Bought in and started working through, and then until he was ready to like retire, retire, and then I bought him out. Okay, yeah. yeah. Did you know uh, Wesley? I did not. Yeah. So, how did, so when a general dentist buys a practice, it's like roughly sixty to eighty percent of collections. How does that translate into buying a pathology office? Yeah, we did somewhat when we valued the practice. It was somewhat of a similar calculation. It's it's you know you can't go to all the the, the dental practice transitions people or the they do that sort of thing because yeah. like they don't know how to read your books because it's a very different sort of stuff you know what except I mean? they don't... for i do <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, they, but like there's so few of us that are private most again are housed with yeah. dental schools where they are so like u of m right they've got a, a similar practice within the dental school but it's part of the general right the... it's more like a specialty practice though where it's you know specialty practice is like 40 to 50 percent because there's no patients you're buying referrals correct you're buying goodwill yeah you're buying yep. go- it's all goodwill right. and it's you know, it's ref- you're buying referrals, so yep. you're buying that endorsement. Yep. It's yeah. way lower. Yeah. So you probably paid like forty percent, I would imagine. I don't know. I'd have to go. I, Ish, yeah. I mean, that number was calculated probably in yeah fourteen or fifteen. I it's funny. I t- I talked to <laughs> so, him about his practice. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Like right at the beginning. When did you buy it? It was mid mid teens. I don't remember the. Okay, because well, I, I I bought I, I mean I bought him out. He officially 17, 18? In 17, yeah. Okay, so I started my company in 2017. Uh, okay. But I it was already like my my brainchild yeah, yeah. in 2014, 15. Uh-huh. And I used to go to St. Um, St. Joe's for Study Club. Sure. Okay. With, you know, Kevin Sherliner, all those people. No, but okay. the GPR people, Nisha and Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, I talked to him and I was telling him what I was gonna yep. do, and he's like, Great, sell my practice. And I'm like, uh, I wasn't I just wasn't <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't doing it yet, but but I remember that, and then and then he met you. I mean, it's it's funny how that happens. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. He kind of came up with a number that I thought was reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was from talking to you, sort of. But, I mean, it, it could have been. And, yeah, yeah, maybe went with that. So yeah, but I know he didn't but, use a he didn't use a broker. No, no, 
Yeah. Um, we, uh, yeah, we just sort of did it mostly ourselves, a little bit of legal help, kind of drawn up the documents. Yeah, stuff, that's but, good for you. That's yeah. great. But um, yeah, it's a, it's right. It's different in that regard where there's not the um, there's no patience, patient base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and again, it, it, and and what makes it even weirder is in terms of private oral and maxillofacial pathology practices, there's 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 going to be more of them, but many of them are still housed in schools where they are sort of commingled with the, the faculty practice, you know, so like the oral pathologists along with the oral surgeons and they're all billing medical insurance. And then you've got the pros people doing implants and restorative dentists. And edit, you know, so it's like, uh, they're often not run very well, mm-hmm. you know, um, which may have been part of the reason Richard left some 25 years ago. Um, and I know we talk in our, our academy is really small. There's not a lot of us. There's only 300 or so boarded oral pathologists in the country in the states yeah wow and so some of them are in academics they're like heavy into research getting government research money and doing that sort of stuff other ones you know then there's other people who the younger cohort is trying to move out into um private practices whether it's hospitals or in offices and there are people who do also do what we call clinical oral pathology or some people call oral medicine mm-hmm. which deal with mucosal disease um, much like a dermatologist right you got our rash or something on your skin you go see a you know go see a dermatologist there's the same sort of deal with those diseases manifest in the mouth um you know blistering diseases or various other autoimmune diseases or fungal infections or things like that that a lot of either oral surgeons or general dentists don't have the expertise or frankly like the care to do it because these aren't like revenue generating procedures Mm -hmm. you know the the chair time to like sit down and talk through somebody with this kind of complicated autoimmune disease versus how long does it take you to like prep a crown it's like well you know what am i going to charge this person it's just not good it's not a good environment for them to do it so so they're trying to do kind of hybrid practices where they have see patients a day or two or three a week for these sort of things and develop a referral base there, but also have a biopsy service where they are looking at tissue samples from some of those similar clients. Okay. Um, we opened one of those up um, actually like February of 2020. Um, we're per- perfect timing. Yeah, perfect yeah. timing. <laughs> right. um, so it got shut down, started back up in June of that year and just sort of like limped along. Um, where was it located? We rented space out of a general dentist office, office up straight up Woodward. Okay. Um, in Bloomfield, kind of like across the street from the hospital. There's, it, there's like a bunch of those. like no, North of Square Lake? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's like a whole bunch of like medical office buildings. So there's a general dentist there that we just rented space from. Um, and you know, it was fine, but like we never got super busy. These patients require quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. And it, we still don't know exactly why we, we thought we would be super busy because we talked to people said and you know, hey, we're going to be doing this. Like, oh my God, I have so many patients to send you. Oh my God. Oh, yes, please. You know, but then they didn't show like that volume. And so it got to the point, yeah. you know, we had a conversation and, and these, these are patients that are some pretty difficult time consuming patients. You got to write long notes and lots of phone calls and lots of just, there's a lot involved with them. And it's like, well, we're charging X for this. We're getting paid. You know, that, that's how much we're collecting on it. And this was a total, this was a cash practice. We didn't, because it was just he and I. So we did, didn't even deal with like in, billing insurance and stuff. We were like, come see us. Here's the amount. Pay us to get seen, right? Right. So like we were getting all we were 100% collections, you know. But like getting people to pay it, show up, the phone calls, the notes, and just like not. It's not like we had like yeah, man, we're like three months booked out to get in. It never got super busy, and like our other practice at the hospital is like busy and growing. Mm-hmm. And it's, you got to look at like well, the time I'm here, I really got other stuff I got to be doing over there, and so we just elected to close it at the end of 21. Okay. Um, so what were you like collecting nice. daily? 
like what kind yeah. of numbers? So we would see. So we were only doing half days. Okay. Um, and we were seeing, we had them broken down. God, man, I, don't know. I think we had our time blocks were like 30, 30 minutes for like a recall and an hour for a new patient. Okay. I think we were charging like two fifty, two seventy five for a new patient, and like. Now, are you also biopsying? So you're cutting. Yeah, we weren't doing. We weren't doing that. Okay. Um, in part because he and I have both been sort of out of. You know, clinical. Yeah, for yeah. a while. Cutting like, people up for like, a while. Numbing, numbing people up and doing, you know, and post-op. That's it, that we just were like, let's not. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just more of like a lots of talking, evaluating, looking, good, really thorough exams, really complex stuff that we would get from people. And it just, it was just hard to get it going. There are places in the country I know where people have pretty busy practices doing that. Private so, practices? Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's people, I, you know, there's oral medicine is now a new specialty. And there's people who do that. Um, which is like similar to what we do, except they have none of the microscopic training, so they don't know what it looks like under the scope, but they do all of the, the clinical side. We are trained to do both. Um, so people do that. Well, they'll, they'll have that where they're doing mucosal disease, maybe hospital privileges with like special needs patients, plus or minus like a normal general dentistry practice, plus or minus some of them will do like TMD and oral facial pain, kind of a hybrid of all of these sort of kind of difficult patients that don't really have a home. Yeah. You know, so they sort of like TMJ. That seems hard. That seems like a hard life. That sounds terrible. You got to really like that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know know people do it and there are are training programs to get people out and they have those practices set up but there are a lot of ones I think where you open it up and it may take you five years before it is you are fully doing what you want to do and the rest of the time you're like an associate in a general dentist. Or before it catches on. Like I I feel like um, the younger dentist like They may not know, you know, to send something to you or right. what they probably do is they send it to the oral surgeon right. or and then they yep. remove it and send it to you. Right. Yep. That's probably. That's yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what we try to do. I mean, we try to advertise, you know, let people know we are here that they could, you know, the, a lot of the oral surgeons don't want to see these patients because they're yeah. like, they have limited options. They're not really sure what to do with it. And it's sort of like not a great thing to have in their schedule. Yeah. You do know? you t- do you do that? Do you send a lot of tissue out for biopsy? zero? Everything I oh. tend to summit, oh. and yeah. then Archie yeah, yeah. Lee Hall takes care of it. Yeah, exactly. Which is I used to take off my bromas and, yeah. and things it, it like that. Yeah. You got a laser and you're comforted yeah. doing. I mean, biopsies in most areas technically are not that difficult. I mean, if you do like surgical extractions and stuff, like it, right. not, not much more complicated than that. Yeah. Well, the it, laser makes it too. It makes it easier. Yeah, but but some people that's just not their comfort. That's like mm-hmm. me. Like when I was a general dentist, like I didn't. I didn't, you know, clean and shape and operate canals. I hated endo. Yeah. All the time I was doing a root canal, I'm like, I could have had this t- tooth out. Yeah. <laughs> like in three minutes. And I am sitting here, you know, trying to. This ledge. File messing bro. around with these little tiny this instruments. Yeah. I hate it. hate it. Yeah. You this know, is like so. an anti-endo podcast. Yeah. We like endo though. But so a couple of my buddies liked it either. wanted me to ask you a question. And don't tell me your salary, but they were curious to know, can you make the same amount of money as a average general dentist being oral okay yeah yeah i mean i mean one of the things probably is, more i would imagine it, a specialist it, it depends on what you know it yeah i mean we're not making as much as probably like an orthodontist or a nobody or is a, uh, or, a, <laughs> or, a, or a uh or an oral surgeon but i mean where a lot of the salary stuff comes from is like again most of our specialty is in dental schools okay and there's naturally going to be a governor on what you can do there yeah. Right. You're you got your faculty salary. So when you look at when you look at like the average salary numbers, you're looking at and you can I mean these are all public record. You can look up the, all the oral pathologists at the public dental schools in the US. Those are all you can see how much they make. 
Are they getting outside referrals too into the dental school or is it just yeah, yeah. internal? So, so, so like they're going to have in some places they'll have in addition to their biopsy service, they will have the clinical practice I just described and the faculty practice as well okay. where they're seeing patients periodically. Um, some of them are going to be out giving CE courses. Some of them are going to be doing research. And so okay. as part of research grants, a lot of times there's salary support included in that as well. So like, you know, a true like academician who has, is, is split, like doing like four different things, like they're teaching, they're doing research, they're doing the pathology type practice. Like they have three different income sources that are going to wax and wane year to year and are going to be a various percentages of their total overall income. But you know, the biggest, a lot of it, the biggest bulk of it for them is going to be like their faculty salary, which is naturally going to be lower than a private practice general dentist. Right. And so when you look at the national average numbers, the people are, oh, that's that's where that number comes from. Okay. You know? Like I will say, you know, like our specialty, we we joke a little bit. Like oral pathologists, a lot of them tend to be sort of second career where they're like refugees from general dentistry. Because they, <laughs> Explain that. Well they like got into general dentistry and at about year five or seven or ten they're like this ain't for me. Man. No way. This ain't for me. Yeah. Like, I can't do this. Like, so, so my partner, he, um, he was, uh, got, was in the army scholarship. So he was in the military as a general dentist for a while overseas, like in Europe and then came back. He's from St. Louis practice solo in like a rural type practice. Also had a practice with his brother. Who's a general dentist, a couple years older and just sort of like was never happy with the work and eventually came to the realization. It's like, yo, I don't like dentistry. I don't like I don't like the work. It's not the military. It's not being in this rural practice. It's not being solo. It's that I don't like the work. It's the people. It's the teeth. It's, it's the work. He's, he's like, how many times? He's like, I don't I, like I mean, teeth. You know, Brent will tell a story. He's like, tell this, this little old lady constantly having, you know, he's putting like GI resins on these like big class five oh, things. Yeah. And she's like, why do I always have cavities? And he's like, your teeth is, your teeth are covered in plaque. Right. Like, what? What else can I do? What do you want me? You got to yeah. have that conversation, you know, and then your work fails and you know all that. And you're like, it's not my fault, but like, it's kind of my fault. It could be. Yeah, who know? knows? Yeah. You know, it wears on you, right? So, so then he actually went back into the military. Um, there was a, a pathologist at, he went to Southern Illinois who he knew from back then who he talked to a little bit about it and he transitioned back into the service, into the Air Force. Um, and so when he trained with me, he was a couple years, he's older than me, but he was behind me in training because he had, was a general dentist for like a decade, um, was in the Air Force at the time. And then he was following on an Air Force career, you know, uh, career path. And then when I was looking for a new partner, when Richard retired, he was at that time pretty happy in the Air Force. And then he got noticed that he was like looking to get promoted and kind of bumped out of practice and into administration. And he was like, I don't want to be, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to be like pushing paper and doing this sort of stuff. So he decided to separate from the Air Force at that time and moved up here and joined me. Um, and you know, we've got another guy who we who trained at the same place we did at Ohio State. Mark Mark's a good old Southern boy. Practiced as a general dentist in Arkansas for 17 years. He was four credits shy of a criminal justice degree. Oh my god! That he was doing at night because he's like, I just got to get out of this. He's like, I you know, total transition out of dentistry. Out of dentistry. Because he needed, again, some criminal other, justice. You're gonna be a I don't know police he, officer. I don't know what he's gonna do. But <laughs> he was like, I gotta. He's like, <laughs> you know. But he didn't even know pathology was like a thing. Yeah. Right. I and think so, a lot of people don't. And that's the thing. So we get a lot of people who who get into our specialty who practice for a while and are like, nope, mm-hmm. I'm I'm whatever. I got a thirty to thirty five 
more years of work life and it's not going to be this. Yeah. We get people who finally realize that in dental school. I know the feeling. Which I say, which I say sometimes, you know, like we get dental students a lot of times who will contact us from the the two dental schools who are like third and fourth years. And I'm like, yeah, like you don't know anything yet. Like you may not like dental school. Right. It's like you don't know. So like some of them, like I got to do this. And it's like, you got, I'm real leery about. Not that I don't want to help them out, but I'm like very honest with them. I'm like, you need to go like practice. Go cut like, your teeth. Yeah. Cut teeth and like make some money mm-hmm. and be like, oh, oh yeah, this is fine. Actually, this isn't bad at all. What do they say when they say they can't do dentistry when they've worked on two people? They, they, right. They, right. That's, that's part of it. They can't fully explain what it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. when it's like, when I'm like, you know, I, I really have difficulty feeling and cleaning and shaping endocanals or I, you know, patient management, I have trouble and you can recount all these stories of what you've been through, right. but you don't get that field experience when you've been doing adult school and the appointments are three and a half hours long. And it's like, like you don't, and you're checking in every five seconds. Real environment. Yeah. Like go, go do a residency practice for a couple years. Yeah. Kind of like, cause you may find out that like, yeah, you don't like dentistry, but you know, you love endo. Yeah. Right? Or you love, like I loved, um, Syrac, you know, crowns, like if right. you, you can hone your skills and kind of yeah, do it like that. Exactly. And then you sort of like widow, uh, whittle your practice down yeah. to, to what you like and what you have aptitude for. That's right? really good advice. Yeah. yeah. And so, I think, so it's until, you know, you, so I'm very leery of like them who want to go straight in because they don't, you just don't know, Yeah. you know, and, and the problem is, you know, especially it's hard to work in, like there's not a lot of jobs, right? Yeah. It's very difficult to go hang your shingle. And just like open up. And if you do that, guess what? You're probably doing general dentistry to like pay your bills yeah. in the interim. So like you still got to be okay you know, doing fillings and pulling teeth and that sort of stuff. Um, a lot of them don't want to do that at all. It's like, okay, well, then you got to try to find a job in academia Academia, and who knows when those jobs are coming available and where they are. Right. Oh, your whole family is from, you know, the Northeast and you want to stay in the New York area. Well, guess what? The jobs that are available are San Antonio, Kansas City, and Seattle. So... Um, Right. You know, like tough. Yeah. Yeah. And, Make your move. And they don't get, yeah. So I get really leery about some of them and, and they don't listen to me. And some of them go into residencies and then three years later, they're like up a river without a paddle being like, okay, now what do I do? Right. They just, they just delayed the penalty of trying to figure out what they want to do with They're like, you got to figure that out. Yeah. First. Cause like our specialty is not easy to do well in. You got to be a go-getter. You got to like. You have to hustle. Be get those referrals. Yeah. Way. You got to be creative. You got to mm-hmm. like market. You got to. Find your own path. And there's a lot of markets in this in the country to me that are like wide open and really need help. Mm-hmm. But you've got to be able to like go out and do the work it takes to like claim an area because if you don't do it, you just think you can walk into a ready-made practice. Those are right. few and far between. So how does an oral pathologist claim an area? No, it's anything else. You gotta like go out and I mean if, if you're a if you're a specialty group and you if you're a, a perrier group and you think you place the you, know, you do the best dental implants, you provide the best services. And yeah, I guess what there's a bigger group nearby. Well, you just gotta like, you know, yeah, you open up, you know, yeah. possible referrers, you answer their phone calls and their text messages, you're available, you make their patients happy, you give them little creature comforts. It's all that shit that yeah. is part of marketing referrals that people feel like, well, they do a better job and and and, and you have to do good work. Yeah. I mean, like your stuff has to not fail. Right. So you go not... into the oral surgeon's office and, and drop off your, I mean, I'm assuming you have the little containers that they put yeah. the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we... we um, we don't go into them really anymore, but okay. like we, when we're trying, we have done that in the past. Okay. Our, we have most of the market in the state. Yeah. Um, I would imagine. And 
do you like have a study club for them? Do you provide CE for these people? We, like we how do you? We, they often okay. act, actually most of them already have study clubs for their referrers. Okay. For their GPs, but they will often bring us in. Okay, to speak. Yeah. Yeah. To speak to their general dentists and hygienists of those practices. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty common. Like we're going, we got one coming up. Well, actually, that we just not coming up. It's in November, but we just we're the group in Grand Rapids that that okay. we're gonna and probably uh, large do. groups too. Like you speak to the yeah. MDA, AGD. We've never actually done the MDA. Okay. Um, they tend to bring out people who are on the circuit who aren't all that great. Yeah. Neither, neither he and I are members. I I quit the MDA a couple years ago. Yeah, me so too. Longer conversation. I mean, yeah, that about. I was very, 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 very involved with the MDA. Yeah. And um, I like kind of, I quit. I am, I am still involved stuff. with the MDA. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very active, but they're doing some things. And I, I would say the dental schools too. We talked about this last podcast with Pat. Yeah. That, that I don't particularly like. It's, um, I think they've started their own business when they're supposed to be our advocate. Yeah, there's a little bit of part of the reason I left is that the, yeah. the current leadership forgets that they work for us. Yeah, exactly. I, I think they, yeah. I think they absolutely total amnesia. Like, yeah. so, so that, that's part of the problem. There used to be a lot of people there who understood that. That's our association. Yeah, yeah. Who, but they're understood that they're, they're not there anymore. They're running their own business. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So Agree. We talk about that more in the weeds later. Agree. Yeah. 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 So. What's your main motivation then to leave general dentistry and be an oral pathologist? Well, I actually, so so my long, my long story is that I actually wanted to be an academic. So when I started okay. residency, I was in a PhD program and my residency together. What was the PhD in? Oh God, it would have been in I don't know some oral biology or something like that. I don't know, I don't know what it would have been in. Um, and I ended up leaving, quitting that program because this is I, after dental school. Correct. Yep. Yep. Okay. So dental school. Did my GPR and then I went to Ohio State and I was it kind of dual track. I feel like I need a flow chart of all your degrees because <laughs> there's a BS, BS, there's a lot. BDS, and then I got an MPH. Okay, and then MPH stands for Master's in Public Health. That was the master's degree I got at Master's in Public Health. Is that along with your residency? Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah, most residencies you're going to get a master's of some sort. Okay. That's pretty standard. Yeah. You don't need a master's to practice oral pathology. No, no, you just need a residency certificate. But all, yeah, th- there's a couple of training programs in New York that are fully hospital based, so they're not like degree granting institutions. So you get they get a certificate of completion of the training program, just like you know the person who did internal medicine there gets a you know and they can go be an internist, right? Sure. Um, can you then call yourself an oral pathologist? Yep. yep. And then if you, you have, do that residency, then we have a board exam. Then we have oh, our okay. board exam. Yeah, that we have to take. So, um, yes, yeah, so, sorry. So I was, I was, so you have to be board certified to call yourself an oral pathologist. Uh, I think technically not, but the practice. Yes. Okay. I mean, there are people who are, I mean, there are people who do the pathology training, but are more research oriented. Okay. So say they did like I did, they did the, the path training, they got a PhD then they're just running a research lab and not okay. really doing any stuff. So they never even took the board exam because they don't they, need to. They wanted to do research. Okay. Yeah. This is so exactly. interesting. What was your appeal for academia? But at the time, I really liked it. I mean, I liked a lot of the research stuff. I liked answering, asking questions and trying to just the, the act of discovery. Okay. The, the thing that made me leave it was that I was I written a training grant to, like, pay for my training from the NIH. And it got rejected closely. And sort of the feedback I got was, like, not clear about, like, what I needed to change so I could get a, approved next time. Okay. Like, the grant, grant process is very competitive generally anyway. And so I, um, I did get approved. I wasn't clear about what I was supposed to do to fix it, to make it good. 
So I, t- I mean, I'm talking to the person about it, and he's like, "You just need to read their comments, the reviewers' comments, really carefully." <laughs> and I'm like, "It's like, a- yeah, dog, I read them. I don't understand them. It's why I'm calling you. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does this? Wow, you just need to read it." And I'm like, and I'm like, so it's super frustrating conversation. And again, this was I was planning on doing this when I started dental school. So I'm like, now like, holy crap, you know, like the last whatever six years of my life, like I got to kind of reevaluate what I want to do. And I'm like, do I really want to like? have this conversation about trying to fight for grant money for the next 30 years. Yeah. That sounds pretty terrible. Yeah. So I sort of like, okay, I kind of reevaluated everything, took the plunge and started looking for, okay, what could I do? How could I be a pathologist outside of school? And, you know, it just so happened that one of the few private practices in the country is here where I'm from, mm-hmm. you know, th- like most good things in my life, it's been dumb luck. So, um, kind of my, my attending, knew Richard, reached out to him. We talked, we met, he brought me on. I started working with him and mm-hmm. you know, here we are. So, wow. um, yeah. do you ever miss giving people shots and collecting balances and having people have paresthesia? Well, yeah, so when I practiced, I, I was an employee. So like, or did you practice in the Bloomfield, Oakland township area? No, I was on the East side of Detroit. Oh, you said that before. Um, okay. Yeah, public health clinic. So, so like I had a, I was getting paid at, W two okay yeah I was a W two there was no I didn't have to worry about any of that that wasn't my problem so like, okay thank God um yeah I mean not really I mean some of the people I really like some procedures I didn't mind but like you like what you do yeah I like what I do it's more interesting do you have any yeah. neck or back pain or I didn't practice for long enough okay and I, and I, and I was always really good about posture yeah that's good when did you graduate dental school oh six you know Joe okay. Colin my neighbor yeah, yeah he, the classmates. classmates oh okay yeah. okay yeah funny. Oh, is he still uh, practicing Tinkler Shores? Tinkler Shores. Yeah, We're on the board of Roseville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He bought Jim Lepchak's wife's practice. Yeah, I forgot her name, though. Yeah, I don't remember. I never met her, I know. but Because he's an oral surgeon, right? Jim, Jim was. He's oh, was. Retired. He's retired. Retired, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was with um, um, Mac, Bruce McIntosh, who's now also retired, but Tim Schmeckel and now mm-hmm. Derek. Oh, Schmeckel's still out here. Yeah, over on, in, in yeah, Bingham Farms. Yeah, I use him in so 13 and Telegraph. Yeah, is he by himself or he has one more person? It's Tim Schmeckel and Derek Nichol. I don't know who that is. Okay. Yeah, so Derek... Um, Derek's younger, right? Yeah, Derek, I trained yeah. him. He's okay. actually about my age, but because of the um, the uh, the difference in length of training between pathology and surgery, I taught him even though he was... You know, we probably finished dental school about the same year. Okay. He was like 06 or 07, I think. But yeah, he went to Detroit Mercy, I think. Okay. Yeah, he's a super good kid. Super good, nice guy. Very good practice. Most, most I mean, honestly, like... We're pretty well. I mean, I know most of the specialists in the area because they're, you know, endo, perio, oral surgery. Don't really know any pedodontist, orthodontist, or prosthodontist. So I can't really comment on them. But like, we're pretty well served here mm-hmm. in Detroit with the quality of people and training, and they're generally pretty. Dangerous. I've only met one bad endodontist. To be honest, of all the specialties, where his root canal. No, it wasn't. It was me. Um, <laughs> his root canal was like worse than mine. And I was like, oh my really? god, really? Yeah. And yeah. endodontist. Yeah, he's like. 20 years out. Anyway, um, so do you have any advice for general dentists in terms of what we need to know about oral pathology in our clinical practice? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest the biggest thing that we run into, or that I, I, I would not that we run into, that's that doesn't make any sense. The, the biggest thing I think that we notice in sort of with the, if you follow the referral pattern, right, it's GPs to special, other specialists to us, right, mm-hmm. is, is like stuff's not looked at, like just not looking, right? And they I, don't I, biopsy it at all, no, you're no, saying? No, 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 not even uh. that, like. They don't identify. Oh, they don't see it because they're not taking the time to do like a good exam. And in reality, like a good head and neck exam is like a 30 to 35 second. Yeah. Right. Procedure. It's not that long. 
Um, so stuff's missed or they sit on things. You know, if you got something that looks Watch funny, it. yeah, it's not a, Hey, especially if it's like a high risk site, tongue, floor of mouth, soft palate. It's not a, Hey, let's see what that looks like. at your next hygiene visit because mm-hmm. you know, things happen, things get rescheduled and that six months turns into nine months. And then it's like, Oh shit, what's this? It's yeah. Have it back in two weeks. I had a t- I had a ten day rule. I learned this yeah. in dental school. So I mean, yes. tell me if that's wrong. I no, always did that's, this. That's, that's completely appropriate. I'd say I'm going to see you in ten days. If that still looks like that, you're going to go to the oral surgeon. Yep, spot on. Because yep. a lot of times it's gone. Yep. You yep. know where they burn their tongue or whatever. Yep. Yeah, but. exactly. So so it's 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 one of those things that yeah, it's it's not detecting things or sitting on them, mm-hmm. which delays diagnosis, which creates problems. And yep. so it's an issue of like just look, take the time. It doesn't take that much time. Just look. Right. Yep. High risk site. If you're unfortunate enough to see something, it's going to be. Sides of the tongue, the floor of the mouth, or soft palate most likely. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're really looking at those and have a real quick trigger, if you see something in those high-risk sites, even if the person is like this cute little 23-year-old girl who doesn't smoke or drink, and why could she, how could she possibly have cancer? Well, right. guess what? You can. Yep. You know, it happens. Yeah. And so um, just because they don't fit the demographic profile of like, you know, some of the dudes in my family with like no neck or truck drivers who, <laughs> right. you know, like, yeah, I think I expect he's, you know, hang out in bowling alleys and pool halls and, and you ex- Expect those people to get cancer. Yeah, right? I had a young girl in my practice with cancer. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you just got to see those things. And if and if and it was found in a in an exam with the hygienist. Right? Yep, exactly. The hygienists really, frankly, do, do most of the work for mm-hmm. the dentist. They they delegate a lot of that to them, and we really should be doing it. They just need to spend the time, look at it, identify it, and then refer the patient if it, if it's still there in two weeks yep. to somebody who maybe has some more expertise or experience. You know, people get busy. I know what it's. I remember those things. Oh, I got two hygiene checks. I got a patient getting numb and I got something else, you know, temporizing or whatever. And you're like, yeah. I, I'm, you know, you're on roller skates at times. Um, you still got to take that 30 seconds to not miss it. Make and do a call. recheck. Yeah. And, and see them back. And then if not, yeah. get, them in, get them in the hands of somebody else. Mm-hmm. And the route's always us, then someone who can do a biopsy, and then you. Generally, yeah, we get that. Yeah. Now, we, so my partner and I, we tend to be very, um, you know, we get a lot of email questions. So like we hand out our contact info, like we chat on our cards, our email address. Like we get x-rays and photos emailed to us all the time. From even general dentists? And hygienists. Okay. We were at a CE course we gave. Um, that's another way to sort of circumvent it to see if we have, because there's a lot of stuff we can look at. So, you know, that's actually geographic tongue. You know, you don't right. need to refer them. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, you want a set of expert eyes and an opinion. We're happy to do that. And they can, people can contact us. That's what we do. You know, we, my partner and I, this, a lot of this comes from where we trained. A lot of this comes from the fact that we both practiced as general dentists for quite a while. And so we know sort of like what that's like, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the issues on schedule and time management and everything else. We try to be very clear and communicative. That's part of our job is communicating. A surgeon does a biopsy, right? They're essentially asking a question. What is this? Yeah. Our job is to communicate back to them via a pathology report what it is mm-hmm. and sort of try to anticipate and answer questions um, that they may have about treatment management, you know, what they should do going forward, et cetera. Like we try to be very, very clear and concise. You know, one thing that we've actually been working on is another company. Um, it's like an educational video series um, that's called Patient's Path. We're sort of in the beta testing site with a surgery group with them kind of trying it out. And what they are are sort of if you get diagnosed with, I don't know, let's say uh, – we don't have that one. I'd say a fibroma, something silly like that. A fibroma, right? Pretty mm-hmm. common. We see them all the time. That's like a class two restoration for a general dentist, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like doesn't take a lot of time, doesn't take a lot of thought, keeps the lights on, sort of, 
sort of thing, right? Right. Well, to the patient, that doesn't, you know, to a regular person, that doesn't, they don't know what the hell this is. They're terrified it's cancer, you know? Mm-hmm. So they get a biopsy. They get the result back from our pathology report. But, like, there's still a lot of times there's a gap between what the surgeon communicates or how well he or she does it. I mean, sometimes some people aren't great communicators. Yeah. You know, they're better with their hands with certain things, and they're not, they can't necessarily explain it. Or the patient doesn't understand it. It goes too fast. They feel rushed, you know. Right. And they're like, you know, especially if it's an older person, their kid's like, Mom, what was that biopsy you had on your tongue? I don't know. It was benign. Okay, well, what was it? I, they don't remember. They get right. the name wrong. They, so – We've developed these sort of animated 3D videos demonstrating what the things are, explaining what they are in plain, plain, you know, try to try to do like sixth grade uh, right. reading level language that can be shown in the surgeon's office to the with them there or can be sent to the, the patient. And so they can watch it. They can watch it again and again and again. And, you know, there are people who are going to be obsessive and want to like really understand it to help mm-hmm. them have an idea of like, what their diagnosis is, good, bad, or different, and what that means that they can share with family members if there's concern, um, just a way to help kind of close the gap with the patient's understanding what their results are, what mm-hmm. the pathology results are. You know, we see all the time, we get a biopsy from a surgeon and patient had a prior biopsy three years ago, no idea what it was, they don't know who did it, um, they don't have the results, so like, you know, trying to complete the story of what was done, like, we don't yeah, know. They don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Um, this sort of thing would help, we hope somewhat make them remember, understand, comprehend what's going on, um, assuage some of their fears of that they may have, because that's for many patients, it's a very anxiety inducing procedure. They're waiting a week or two for their results. Oh my God, what does this mean? You know, like for some people, they don't care. A lot of people terrifies them. Um, and so it's to help you know, with that process. So that's something you send back. Like if I send you a biopsy, you send it back with this video or with this yeah, literature. So, so what it'll be is it's a, it'll be a subscription service in an office who okay. would subscribe to okay. and then they would have, they download fibroma. It's a web-based thing. And then yeah, it's a web-based thing. Okay. And, they say, and they, and they put the, the person's info in and they, you know, their, their phone number, if they want to get a text message or a okay. email address and they get it and then they can, it's a, it's customized. So like, you know, the office would say, you know, dear Mrs. Johnson, you know, here's a video to help explain the diagnosis okay. of fibroma you had with the biopsy with Dr. You know, John Doe last week. Um, you know, we hope you're healing well. If you have any follow-up questions, please call us. Dr. Or let, let me know. Dr. Doe will call you, whatever. Right. And then they can watch it and, you know, sort of, again, adding kind of a customized little personal touch to the patients right. from the referring office. Question number one, how do you play this video, yeah. right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's one of these things that we also think too, kind of going back, you know, COVID kind of changed a lot of things where with tele-editing and a lot of telemedicine for some of these mm-hmm. things where most offices used to have patients back to get their results back. Yeah. For a lot of things, if they're not worried about it, they it's don't pretty have uncomplicated. To. Yeah. They do it sort of over the phone now. Well, this is another thing that can potentially add that sort of like, again, personalized touch, a little value add that a, that a surgeon's office or perio office could offer to their patients to be like, hey, you know, like here's another thing to help you understand what it was. That's a really good service. How are you marketing yeah. this to specialists? We're not quite there. Well, so we're still sort of like getting the product done. Okay. But um, do you market it to specialists or GPs though? Yeah, so it's an interesting It's Because I feel like that would come from you. When we, when we initially intended, it would have been, we, when we sort of came up with this idea, it was for the specialist, but in reality, you're like, why? Yeah. Like, there's no reason, because you may see something and you may think that, um, uh, 
you think you know what it is and you want to have them watch it ahead of time. Okay. Why not? I mean, that's, yeah. you know what I mean? That, that, that certainly could be used that way as a, on an educational side, uh, pre-surgical procedure. I feel well like it's a practice builder for the general dentist too. Yeah, I think so. I, I yeah. completely agree. It certainly could be. Um, yeah. You know, we're trying to get the product sort of like there, which hopefully it'll be ready to like officially market come fall. Did so you hire developers soon. for this? Yeah. Yeah, we hired, we, we've got a software developer that we used here okay. uh, in, in the Detroit area and then uh, uh, a uh, 3D animator who's actually out of St. Louis. Okay. That Brent, because he's from there, he had connections and found this guy there who's been doing the doing the imaging and stuff. That's exciting. You're pretty entrepreneurial. Yeah, we try to be. I mean, yeah. That's the, again, with our practice, right? You have to be. Yeah. You know what? You, you really have to be to succeed. If you're a, sh again, there's lots of general dentists who like working in corporate chains. They show up, punch the clock, do good work, mm -hmm. go home. I, I don't, I don't want to think about this shit. I don't want to worry about it. Like, whatever, mm -hmm. right? Totally fine. That's what they want to do. And some people who get into oral pathology, that that's their mindset. And if that's your mindset, your options are kind of limited as to where you can go work, to a right? dental school. And right? that's about it. Yep. And you just got to yeah. deal with it. And that's what it, but if, if you don't, you got to be kind of entrepreneurial and sort of make your practice and work life, what you want it to be. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe you're somebody who practices a little bit and really is out there on the circuit. Given mm -hmm. mind, you derive most of your income from speaking engagements. Okay. That's fine. Whatever floats your boat, you know, like there's, I feel like you are, are a really good speaker. Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy yeah, speaking in front of large groups yeah. too? No, I, yeah, I have no like anxiety in terms of speaking in front of large crowds and stuff. Like that's not a, yeah, I don't, I mean, we, we talk pretty frequently. Um, I've never really had been bashful yeah. about that sort of stuff. Um, I know some, you know, people get, Oh my God, a stage and there's 500 people. I'm like, you know, yeah. I don't really care. <laughs> So entrepreneurial by nature or like entrepreneurial out of necessity? Yeah, probably. Out of, I, I, I can't. I never thought I was like, like, I didn't like have like lemonade stands as a kid and <laughs> like was like inventive and stuff. Okay. So maybe out of necessity, but like maybe I always sort of had an aptitude for it, but like never needed to like. Really express it till you had to. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? I don't know. Yeah. I'm certainly not like I wasn't like some tinkerer who's at an eight year old who's like running harebrained schemes trying to start like your own fleece, business yeah start my own business or fleece the neighborhood kids out or something <laughs> like yeah that was you weren't trading stocks at 15 no. <laughs> <laughs> no. well we're coming up in the hour okay and we always end with top three okay. so what are your top three pieces of advice to be successful in general in general yeah because you're you take an alternate route in dentistry yeah. and you're successful yeah I mean, you gotta do something that you like Okay. You know what I mean? You don't have to love it, but you sure as hell can't hate it. That's you number know? one. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've been there, and I think a lot of people have. You wake up in the morning, and you look it's at like, yourself uh, in the mirror, and you're like, what did, what did you hate? Yeah. Was it general dentistry? Uh, some of it was the patients. Okay. It was sort of like office turmoil. and Staff, just, yeah. Just don't, like, I just don't care about. Like, I just don't You don't care, care. about someone's boyfriend broke up with them? And don't care. Not yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't care. I don't care. Just show up, do your job, go home, don't care. Yeah, go know? cry in the car like but the then rest you're, of us. But then you're insensitive, right? Yeah, it's that's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and some of the patients who you just don't like and can't get away from them. Sure. Yeah. You know? Um, so, so do that, a job that you like. Yeah, and it's worth your time, man. Mm -hmm. You know, it's worth your time and, and, and pays you what you think you're worth or you get paid however, wherever, how you make your money. But like, you know. Whether somebody's paying you or you're earning your stuff, like you gotta be, you gotta like what you do, and you gotta feel like you're valued monetarily. Because otherwise, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I can find a lot of. If I didn't need to work, I could do a lot of other stuff with my day. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I need some fruity drink on a beach somewhere, a right? Umbrella, or 
whatever, you know, there's, yeah. there's something else I could certainly. Can you work pretty remotely I, with your job? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a much longer conversation. Sure. The answer is historically no. Uh, very soon, yes. Very really, is he yeah. the microscope on the beach and uh, no digital, digital actually, yeah. Um, being able to do it on a computer. I was say the sand would get under the slide. Yeah, that'd be probably. <laughs> probably Microscopes are quite expensive. You don't want. I'm going old school. Like, what are they? What's the microscope cost? Uh, my scope, which is a lower end one that I use, about ten grand. Okay. Um, really good ones. Um, actually, we have a fluorescent scope that we use. Uh, that that's Brent Martin's private one. That one's probably thirty or thirty-five. Wow. Um, they can go up. It, what it really is 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 the objectives, the little, uh, the, mm-hmm. the magnification, right? Two x, four x, five x, twenty x. So those are glass lenses. It has to do with how nicely, finely their their curve for the for the optics are polished and how smooth it is. Okay. So you think about like really nice cameras. You think about like Zeiss or Leica or mm-hmm. Olympus or Nikon. How it, how good the objectives are because those things are very precisely made. And that's where a lot of the money, like the expense comes from. You can buy a microscope, a cheapo microscope on Amazon. I bought one when I was studying for my board exam for like a couple hundred bucks that I just had in my house at the time. But like it's the the clarity of the image when you're looking through all of the glass isn't good enough to actually do my work on. Okay. I could study off of it. But digital will be as clear as a microscope? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, you know, storage is, you're scanning a slide, right? Philips makes these slide scanners. So they turn what's on the slide into a, I don't know, 15 gigabyte image. I don't know, they're huge. And you can zoom in and out of them just like you can oh, okay. with a microscope. If you turn the magnifiers, instead you just use your mouse wheel and it goes in and out, in and out. Um, and the clarity on them is... But 15 gigs for one image, oh my gosh. Like yeah, but, but what is storage? How much is a terabyte hard drive cost? Oh, I, have, I don't know, 100 bucks? Not a lot. No. I mean... So that's the thing. It's like storage. And, and I just made up that 15 gigabytes. I don't know how big they are. They're very large images. That okay. In the past, the storage and transmission of that data would have been cost prohibitive. Okay. It would have taken too long. To, the internet was too slow. It would have taken too long. And we're running out of space to store these things. Well, now that all gets smaller. And so now that's no longer a barrier. You can have these monstrous images and and transmit them over you know, broadband Wi-Fi like it, and it loads fast. The good resolution is excellent. I think it's good to know that because I think people are trying to move towards remote work themselves. Yeah. Well, well, think, think, think about radiologists, right? Radiologists aren't looking at a like a film. Like you think of a little period. Yeah. Please, people still use them, but or like a paper, you know, the, the film panel. Pan, it's, yeah. It's a digital image, right? Think about a CT scan, a head-to-toe CT scan, yeah. right? A radiologist can be in Bern, Switzerland, reading a scan that was done in Phoenix, Arizona. Like, there's a training the program for GPs to read uh, cone beams, CBCTs. Oh, and you can get a as, certificate. As their only job to read. Yeah, my sister oh. is thinking about doing it. It's like yeah. a it's like a one year program, and yeah. then people just send you. Yep, I mean, there's there's a couple of big those bigger CBCTs. Like B, you B, read them, B and readers is the biggest one. Oh yep. yeah, yeah. There's some other ones that employ people, and they read. They get like a I don't know their exact business model, but they get a per. It's like $300 a comb beam or something. Yeah, but then you as the person reading it gets a whatever, a cut of that. Right, right. Um, So you could become an oral radiologist and an oral pathologist. uh, You're not a radiologist. Oh, you're not? No. You'd be certified as a... Cone beam reader. Okay. There's a lot more that's in the radiology. (laughs) Yeah. You have to actually be a radiologist. Okay. That's that's another three-year training program. Oh, that is? Yep. But they, there are a lot of different things that you can do. From home. Yeah. Yeah. Some, right, right. And so so 
our world is somewhat getting that way. The, the difference is with us versus radiology, right? In radiology, you get a scan done in a hospital or an imaging center, and it's, it creates a digital file, and it gets sent digitally somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You didn't, like, make a film, scan the film, and then send the digital image of the film, right? So it's all digital okay. on the radiology side. Yep. A pathology, you can't do that. You still have a physical piece of tissue. Yeah. You have to process and make into a slide, and then you scan and digitize mm -hmm. the slide. Okay. So you can't ever get rid of a lab. You still have to run and operate a yeah. lab. Lots of staff, lots of expensive equipment. Because uh, it's not an x ray, it's a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It's there's, a there's, a lot, there's a lot more to it. There's right. a lot more certification with the lab, the laboratory mm -hmm. bodies who do that. So, like, it, you still have to run a lab. So yeah. the barrier to entry on digital pathology is quite a bit higher than it is with radiology. Okay. Much, not, I shouldn't say quite, I mean, it is, it is, it is enormously higher. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've been, we in pathology are quite a ways behind the radiologists in terms of going digital. Mm -hmm. It will probably happen, but it's just starting to. Okay. And who knows when everybody will get there. I don't know. Does that make you excited? That can be mainly digital? Yeah, that'd be kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, get a home set up to do a lot of stuff or... I don't know. I'm gonna go rent a, you know, in the February we're gonna go rent a house and wherever and be there for a month and you can still work. Why not? Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember. What the now you're on three. You're, the oh. first one was do <laughs> a job that you like. Not the hate. second one was get paid. Yeah. And the third Maybe was your time. Yeah. Uh, third one. Do podcasts. Do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, I, I actually, one of the other things is I think you got to look for something that a lot of people don't do is. You know, these, these are a couple of cliches. One is that um, you can make a lot of money doing something that other people hate, right? Because everybody wants to do the fun, easy stuff, right? Nobody wants to do the crappy, scut stuff. So if you can, if you have an aptitude and you're cool with doing it and you can get good at it, you can take all of that so-called garbage that other people don't want, and that's a gold mine, right? Because mm -hmm. you're, what's your competition? Find a niche. Yeah. Yeah. So I never thought of it that way. You got a niche. And there's a lot of niches out there that mm -hmm. you have to be like where people don't want to live or work that people don't want to do. Or, you know, there's opportunities there. If you're chasing, you know, you're not the first person to have this idea about, oh my God, it would be amazing to live in San Diego. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Right. And be a dentist in San Diego. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You Everyone and, else. Yeah. 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 Man, like, no one's ever thought of that before. Yeah. Right. For, that, that certainly. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really looking for those. There's lots of opportunities and holes in places that are mm -hmm. so-called undesired. They're not actually undesirable. Like you got it. There's a lot of value in those places that are oftentimes great. You just need to be able to recognize them and not follow the herd. Mm -hmm. um, you can do uh, be really happy, really successful. Um, they are working three days a week. Yeah, that's really good. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I never thought of it that way. I mean, yeah. I mean, do you want to? There's a story I'll tell. There's a an oral surgeon I who I trained to know who in like the Cleveland area, he said there's an orthodontist kind of out in the sticks of kind of like in between Toledo and, um, and Cleveland. Like the only orthodontist in town dude works three days a week, flies in and out because guess who his competition is? No one. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Because there's, nobody wants to live there. Right. He's like, we'll figure out. He's like, well, I can do this all three days a week. And he lives, I don't know where he lives somewhere else, but he's like printing money. Because yep. his, he's like, you can pay this or this, or you can drive an hour and a half for all of your ortho appointments. Like, who the hell's going to do that? Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like, there's those areas and markets. And I, I tell, like, the surgery residents when I train them, a lot of them still end up in the Detroit area. But it's like, yo, man, yeah. there's a lot of areas with a lot of people where there's not a lot of competition. 
and you mm. can probably go hang your shingle and uh, do a cold start, and you'll be pretty damn busy and as long as it's an area you like living. And travel you know? a lot to the other areas. Yeah. So where's this garbage and dentistry that people can go to and make a lot of money? In general dentistry? In, any, in, in dentistry in general. So you're in school, and you think, like, oh, that's a good idea. What are the least desirable I guess, professions in dentistry that people can go to? Well, I mean, like, kind of like what I do is a little bit of it, but you still got to, you know, like find it. Um, okay. There are so many things. I, honestly, I think a lot of it's like the rural areas. Okay. Honest to God. I mean, you drive around most of like Oakland and Macomb County, you come to a major intersection. How many dentists, if you stood in the middle of the intersection and like, I don't know, hit a golf ball, how many dentists you could, could you hit 360 degrees around? Mm-hmm. Like 80. I mean, like, you know, like, it's like, yo, man, why do you want to compete with multiple general dentists in the same building as you? And you can even travel and practice. Like, so my one sister is an endodontist, and she's considering mm-hmm. when her kids get a little older, there's a practice in Alaska, mm-hmm. and she would go there, I think, for four months mm-hmm. and do endo, and that's it. Four months a year? Yeah. You're done? Yeah. Eight months off? And they pay, right. you know... Right, a lot. They pay. It. They pay a lot. So, yeah. so you have eight months off. You know, you go up there for four months. You work your tail off, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And then, you're, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. I think people got to look. You could do that in dentistry. You got to look in like underserved. And, and you uh-huh. know, like we talked about, like there's not a ton of oral surgeons downriver. Yeah. Right? And like, there's a lot of people downriver. Downriver is a great place to buy an oral surgery practice. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of my, I mean, you know, my, the folks, plug. my folks grew up down there. You know, uh-huh. like tons of people, like high population. Yeah. And I think the general dentists probably do a lot of that work. This is a lecture you could but give to young dentists, um, you how to set yourself up for success. Yeah. They just don't, they just don't follow what everybody else wants right. to do. go somewhere else. Yeah. Or it's like the old Warren Buffett thing. He's like, yeah, where everybody's selling, I'm buying. Whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like. You know, the wisdom of crowds isn't always there. Like, yeah. you really think long and hard. And I get it. You know, you or your spouse, oh, I don't want to live in a small rural community. Okay, totally fine. I get it. But could you work there and, like, retire find, early? Yeah. Find some, yeah, retire early, find somewhere else that you could, like, drive in. Yeah, maybe your commute's not great. Or travel. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, or three days a week. Who cares about your commute? Right. Yeah. Something else. Find something else to fill your day with. Yeah. It's, it's just not like. Getting on the treadmill and doing what everybody else does. Yeah. That wears your ass out. Really so that's number that. three. Find yeah. your niche. Yeah. Find your right. niche. That's amazing. Yeah. We can't thank you enough for coming on. Yeah, I really appreciate it. That was fun. That flew sure. by. Yeah. An we always ask one more question. Can we have you back on? Sure. Yeah, of course. Okay. Cool. Can you yeah. come on with your partner? Uh, Yeah. We can figure something out for sure. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Do you guys normally record Fridays? Or, or Thursdays. Thursdays eat. and Fridays. Okay. Yeah. Just because just we try to have. But we make accommodations. Yeah. We yeah. Can. So one of us is trying, we always have somebody there, you know? Sure. Um, because our work, again, our work comes from the outside. So we're open five days. Okay. Like, you have to not, be. Yeah. It's not like, hey, I'm going to be, you know, everyone's like, if we when our annual meetings are, maybe we're both gone or something. But we really try to always have coverage every day because there's always work coming. Yeah. And it's not like you don't schedule patients on Friday. So like, I don't have work Friday. It's the all of the stuff that would have come out Friday. You don't want to pile up. Yeah, oh, and, yeah. Pile, and it piles up. Yeah. And then you get then you get pounded Monday. Yeah. Like that doesn't You get to open weekends? Yeah. That doesn't no, not open on the Oh, we'll do a weekend. Yeah. 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 Sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well anything else yeah. to add? Um no. I'm gonna sign should I sign us off? Sign what, us what, off. what episode is this? Twenty eight or twenty nine or forty. Should we face the podcast yeah. episode twenty nine. I think so. Twenty eight or twenty nine. <laughs> um I'm Dr. 
Dr. Jessica Gall with Total Transitions Practice Sales here with my co-host, Dr. Vince Buscemi, Buscemi Family Dentistry. Thank you so much. Dr. Curso, oral pathologist. How do people reach you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so um, our website is oraldx.com, like oral diagnosis, O-R-A-L, D like dog, X like x-ray.com. You can email us at mail at oraldx.com. That's our website. Easiest ways to get a hold of us. And like I said, if you're at somebody's listening to this and they've got some something weird on an x-ray they want an opinion on or they took a photo of something on a patient that they've got that they're like what is this what do i do with this send us email it to us send us the story and we'll get back to asap with uh kind of what we think should happen and is there a charge for that no for those things no so email brent like tomorrow that's amazing what a what a great service yeah that's amazing Um, thank you yeah Yeah, we make our money on getting that stuff cut off and biopsy right it's sort of a loss leader yeah right Love it. Yep. Awesome. All, All right. right. Well, Thank thanks you so again. much. You're welcome. Thanks.